0: And it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Where's the Funding podcast, where we discuss the challenges faced by Black entrepreneurs in the U.S. and globally and, and, and entrepreneurs of color, particularly women, to access funding to grow or scale innovative ideas and demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. My guest today is Hema Velap. As a process engineer with petrochemical giant Sasol, in 2006, over six well, over the past 16 years, Hema has been building an ecosystem support, supporting and developing and investing in female founders through is it Woom Eng for women engineers, Woom Eng to right, develop women. yes to develop the next generation of female engineering leaders in Africa and Woom Hub, which is a co-working space and e-learning hub that hosts various gender parity programs. Now she's undertaking the next giant leap this time into the VC space, and has launched 535 Ventures, a Pan-African female-focused seed-stage fund investing in tech-enabled businesses. Himba, welcome to the WTF podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. Um, you know, it's actually such a pleasure to be talking to you and about a subject that I'm so passionate about, and um, you'll hopefully through this podcast learn
0: why. Um, but absolutely, yeah. thank you so much for having me. I am happy to have you because I know you are at the, the, the front end right now of the big launch of your latest venture. And so I'm just grateful that you've carved out some time for us to have this conversation. So let's just get into the conversation then. Um, tell us a little bit more about your entree into sort of this space mm-hmm. of helping women um, become more visible and to drive their careers with Wuming and the, how that led to um, where you are now.
1: Absolutely. And thank you so much for the introduction, for giving that snapshot. And you know, like you said, the past, it's a better half of the last two decades um, that I've really been in this space digging so deep. And my journey, in fact, was, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, as it should be, um, you know, have a lot of passion and of course, creative resilience. But honestly, my journey was born out of frustration. Um, I'm an engineer by training. And, you know, when I was still studying engineering back in the early 2000s, I'm I'm aging myself here. (laughs) Uh, But back in the early 2000s when I was studying, I mean, it's no secret. Engineering is a very male-dominated space. And in my class, um, I was one of very few women. And I'm originally from South Africa, where I also studied. And for those of you who know South Africa's history, you know, I came from what was regarded as a previously disadvantaged background. So yeah, I was, I was pretty much almost every minority that you could be in my class. And but the gender one that's just what stood out the most starkly. And you know, engineering is hard enough as it is, and then you have all these compounded factors. And I was just like, surely, surely we can do better, surely there's a better way. Um, so at the time, I always say when you see a problem, you can sit back and complain about it or you can do something about it. And at the time, I will do something not to be big and fancy or and audacious. It was just really, let's us as female engineering students get together and see how we support ourselves and what's what our what next? You know, where do we go once we graduate? And with that, the idea of wom was born. Um, and, you know, at the time, like I said, it was just very much, a community, if you will, a student-led community. Um, women's saps that was back in 2006, women's has subsequently grown, taken a life of its own and it grew very much with my own journey, both retrospectively and forward-looking, to so now realizing that also as, as a kid, I got into engineering for all the wrong reasons. Um,
0: and what were, those wrong, what, were those, what were those wrong reasons? <laughs> you know, for all the engineering, engineering that's students that's here true. might figure yeah. out like, hmm, maybe I'm on a similar journey that is not what I want so
1: and it was you know so I was I was good at math and science in school I knew what I didn't want to do I didn't want to do finance because my mom and sister were in finance and I wanted to be different um I didn't want to do medicine because at the time I was like um you know I don't want to study for six years of my life which I ended up doing anyway because I did do my master's after my undergrad um and you know I was like I said when you're good at math and science I just happened to speak to the right person and they were like oh this engineering thing seems interesting Um, I got a scholarship. And that's also what enabled me to actually go and study. And um, it said you can either do industrial engineering in in Johannesburg or um, chemical engineering in Cape Town. And for those of you who haven't been, Cape Town, I'm biased, but it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And I was like, well, I want to go to Cape Town. And that's how I chose engineering. So no one should <laughs> be making life career choices like that. Um, I'm just very I feel like, to like you're not alone in that though I loved.
0: <laughs> I feel like lots yeah, of people and, and, sometimes make life decisions based on, oh, that sounds like fun. Let me go. Right.
1: There. <laughs> and as a young bride at 18 year old, it seems like you know you probably live a lot less risk of us then. But yes, I, 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 I ended up loving it, right? But my story wasn't everybody's. I mean, a lot of girls and boys are liking it for the wrong reasons and they drop out. And for girls especially, you know, I think we, we claim to be living in the information age. You now, part of us doing this podcast is to disperse information. But right. um, Google's only as powerful as the question you put into it. And if girls aren't even asking about engineering, where are they going to find the information? So with women, we started doing programs from girls as young as six years old breaking stereotypes, providing information, very light touch, but, you know, we've grown into programs all the way up to senior executives, and, um, you know, it's now 15 years later, we work at every step of the pipeline, but that grew quite organically, in the same way as I started working as an engineer, I did go on and work in the oil and gas space for about six years, both in South Africa and then up north in Germany, I was very fortunate to have that opportunity, And I realized when you're working, it's a whole set of different challenges that women engineers face. And based on those experiences, the the organization was built and grew and scaled. And it was in 2013 when I came back from Germany, back to South Africa, um, I think Germany was an eye-opener for me realizing that um, this lack of women in engineering was was not an African problem. I worked in Germany, you know, first world Germany, the land of the nuclear world, and I was one of the plants that had no female toilets at the time, and that was 10 years ago, so not a long time ago, right, and I think the, the 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 seed that was planted then was how scalable the work I was doing was, and the impact we were seeing in South Africa could certainly be much more. A couple of things happened to me, one, I fast learned I wasn't going back into industry, So what? was supposed to have been a year-long sabbatical, um, eight years later, I'm still around. Um, so I didn't go back to industry. But um, at a programmatic level, we started doing, at university university level in particular, started doing a lot more around the entrepreneurship and innovation space and seeing just how much talent was coming out from you know, female-led, student-led startups, but great ideas. And how do we, how do we take that further?
0: So tell me, how did the transition happen between women and what you were doing within the engineering space to promote women in that space to entrepreneurship? How did the how did the transition happen?
1: Okay, great. Yeah, and I mean it didn't happen exactly at that point. Um, you know, so women is a nonprofit who were having incredible impact, but who were largely growing what we call the talent pipeline, meaning that girls would be, so you know, it's what I was around um, you know we, women's was largely growing talent pipeline and that meant you know really developing these girls and women as they went on to work at corporates work at companies within industry but at our university level program where we were focusing on innovation and entrepreneurship we saw such great ideas come up and these were just really early stage startup ideas and the seed was planted of what's possible if we really incubated these ideas a bit more deliberately um, that's coupled with the fact that, like I said, you know, I had left my job. Um, I saw the potential of the organization. And being a founder myself, I started thinking about the organization's scale in itself. And while I think the nonprofit is incredible and we're having incredible impact, for me, the sustainability of the organizations was also around how do you generate enough revenue, secure enough funding so that that's not the bottleneck in terms of the impact we're going to have. So it was in 2015, 2016, that I actually spun out of Womb Eng to start Womb Hub. And Womb is it's a position as a boutique incubator, accelerator, and like I said, the very first female-only co-working space for female founders in STEM in Africa. So, you know, I always joke and I say most smart people, they, 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 they start their company, they make their millions, and then they, you know,
0: then they start the nonprofit on the side. Um, i'm sort of doing it backwards <laughs> but no you so, always wanted to do things different right mm-hmm. so you had to start in the opposite direction
1: absolutely and i have no regrets because i really think the foundation that women built in terms of you know just understanding the <laughs> landscape being a female in engineering being a female um yeah so where were we, where were we? um you started the incubator accelerator yes yes and, and so what i was saying you know like i think as much as i did backwards while you know i say that in air quotes um i absolutely have no regrets because i really think the foundation with which we built women was so strong in terms of you know understanding being a woman in engineering being a female founder you know like i said there was a lot of organic growth in the journey while at the same time still being very deliberate. And I think for me, that was very, very key. And I think the same thing then has led to my latest step, you know. So first, you know, the world said there wasn't enough female engineers. So said, let's, let's do a woman engine. Let's start tackling that. And then we realized there just weren't enough female founders in engineering and tech. And that's where the worm hub was born out of. And while we see incredible founders with great business ideas, scalable, high-growth companies coming out of our accelerator, the ridiculous reality right now is just not enough. Capital is getting allocated to them globally. We know that less than 2% of VC funding gets pumped to women, right? And there is a plethora of reasons why that is so. One of them being is that not enough women at the decision making tables, you know, so if you don't have people who look like you and sound like you and come from where you're coming, representation you know, matters. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, that's the next frustration that really got me down. And, you know, I thought, well, if I can talk about like I can kick and scream, but let me actually try to do something about it again um you know so yeah and the next step in my journey is you know the world is saying there's not enough capital going to women there's not enough female fan managers well I'm going to become one um so about two years ago I started taking this um an adventure into the venture space if you will and I like it adventure um, (laughs) into venture (laughs) that's exactly it and you know very, very well known. That I, I'm not a finance professional. And, you know, ironically enough, when I told you uh, in the early in my, in my childhood, I didn't want to become a finance professional. And somehow
0: it's coming back full circle. Here you are but, full circle. Um, what was all that you're... fight and fuss for him? <laughs> Honestly,
1: do we have to go through 16 years? <laughs> but nonetheless, I think it's exactly I think it's the scenic route. Sometimes it's the route with purpose. True. And I really do believe my journey has been culminating into this point, Um you know, so I have a strong background in deal flow, pipeline, and accelerating, and incubating businesses. I've worked extensively across the continent. So between WomInch and WomHub, we have run programs in 24 countries around the world. And that was the pre-COVID count. Um, with COVID, of course, our reach has increased because virtually enables this,
0: right? You and I having a conversation to, exactly, so easily. Exactly, to reach so many more um, people and to, to scale impact, right?
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, I I... I think as women as well, we, and my co-founder is so awesome at this. Um, she always says, you know, man, you must own your awesome. Um, because I had such major imposter syndrome when I first thought about things. Wait wait, 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 take- wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, let's, let's, let's pause on that. <laughs> you have imposter syndrome. I hear this so often in conversations <laughs> about women um, as entrepreneurs, women in executive leadership positions, women. Um, as venture fund managers, women as entrepreneurs, And I, you know, I'm just meeting you. But based on what you've told me about yourself and the things that you've done, how can you say that you've had imposter syndrome when every challenge that you've met, you decided that you were going to be a part of the solution? How do you have imposter syndrome and do that? Explain that. You to
1: have, me. you have no idea, right? And I think, and, and 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 I think so. No doubt, men, female, women alike, we know what everyone has it. But I do absolutely think it's exasperated with women. I know, for, and I can maybe perhaps just speak to my own, my own thoughts and my own journey. Like, right? so yes, you know, when I look back, I am so proud of what I've achieved. I am. I look back and I see the impact. I whether it's the individual personal stories or whether it's the massive numbers knowing we've reached seventy five thousand beneficiaries. And it's great looking back, right? But like I said, I've always been solving problems moving forward and I, I dip my feet to spaces that are completely new to me. So, and I think as, if and maybe like I said, as women more so, but as me, um, absolutely. I know what I'm good at, but for some reason, you tend to focus on the things you don't have, right? So I don't have a finance degree. I don't know, I'm not a finance professional. Even though, you know, I have a whole backpack full of other tools and skills and experiences in my mind I look at and this is again to your point even no matter what level you are whether you're a girl at six years old or whether you be heading towards my 40s if I look at the VC space right now it's dominated by white middle-aged men and when there's no one who looks like me and sounds like me what what would make me believe that I belong there right I've just been incredibly fortunate that I've been surrounded by the right champions, mentors, advisors who have really, um, like I said, you know, give me the advice to own your awesome. And to, you know, I've spent my whole life breaking down doors and forcing my way into groups that people told me I didn't belong. And I do that as I started out of huge frustration, incredible passion. It absolutely doesn't mean I'm not scared. Um, it does scare me. I often feel so out of my depth. Um, And I think I I do think, though, that's what makes me so good at what I what I do, because I think that little bit of fear or that imposter syndrome is what, in my mind, reminds me that I will make sure that I live up to it, you know, whether it's education, whether it's, again, the right people, um, the right experiences, holding track record, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty but it is incredibly scary. Um, I don't know what the next couple of years are going to hold with the fun, but I absolutely know why I'm doing it. And I'm not saying, you know, failure is always an option. You can't become an entrepreneur if you're scared of failure. But at the end of the day, that my, my deepest gut, I know it's going to work. It may not be linear. It may not be smooth, uh, but it's not going to fail because I didn't try. That much I'm certain of.
0: So the lesson here is, You can still be awesome, own your awesome, and still have imposter syndrome, but do it anyway. Exactly. And surround
1: yourself with the right people. People people. who, you know, like I always, so my co-founder, Nadia, she's the one who always tells me to own my awesome. And it's made me look at those around me. And there's so many incredible women in my life who also go through some difficult challenges. And the thing I say to them is, I wish you saw yourself through the lenses which I see you. Because it's, it's, it's really all of us, all of us lifting as we climb, right? So yes. If someone has encouraged, helped shape you in any way, then what are you doing for the person who's coming after you?
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a nice segue into the why behind what you're doing with this new venture, 535 Ventures. So why is having more female-focused seed-stage capital allocators in the funding ecosystem Globally and in Africa, in particular, so important. Yeah.
1: And I think that's exactly, you know, that, that, that's, that's the meat of it. And for me, like I said, if you, you know, from the name Worm Edge to Worm Hub, for me, it really is all in a name. And I was very deliberate as well as, you know, when I went um, and thought about the funding space, I was like, what is my mission? What is my mandate? What am I hoping to achieve with this? And, you know, very tangibly, what problem am I looking to solve? Um, so, you know, we, research shows that if we add more, more women entrepreneurs to the African ecosystem, we could see up to a 5% GDP uplift continent-wide. And that's really by leveraging the 35% higher return on investment that w- women-led teams, you know, typically achieve higher than all male-led teams. And that's where the name 535 came from. And you know, it, it speaks to data, it speaks to statistics, it speaks to what's been proven. And it's how do we then create a vehicle to show more of that, right? Because I don't buy the excuse that there aren't enough female founders. I don't buy the excuse that women don't perform as well. In fact, we perform better. Don't get me wrong. I think diversity is incredibly important both ways. So a border full of women is not the answer either. But until we have more women playing at, at equal level, and a, a big part of the mandate is to just level the playing field. So, you know, part of that data that on the 35% higher ROI, that's if women were exposed and given the same opportunities, networks, exposure capital as men, you know, all male their teams. So we just, it's that, it's that whole difference between equality and equity, right? We're not starting yes. at equal footing. And I think uh, um, we, until we level the playing field, we're can't. We we're not going to see the results we want to see. So that's sort of, you know, the mission for Y535 was started. And the second part around, and of course, it's a gender-focused fund, right? And we're very aligned with the 2X challenge. Um, so the 2X challenge was uh, an initiative developed by the uh, development finance institutions where they subscribe to, you know, just a broad spectrum scope of empowering women economically. Um, And for the fund, the 2x challenge we fulfill on one, myself being a female fund manager, two, our mandate is to invest in female-focused businesses, which means it can either be female co-owned, female-led, or largely um, female consumer-based, but with intentionality, or a largely female employee base, meaning um, including more women in economic, but informal economic participation. So the mandate of the fund has a gender lens throughout. Um, and then we went one step further, and we can maybe talk about this a bit later. But what my big, big, bold, audacious goal is right now, on top of all of that, is just getting more women investors to participate into the fund as, you know, limited partners.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so tell me about that. So is this the 35er club? And what's Absolutely. the profile of the women who should pursue this opportunity to be a part of a community of global women investors?
1: Absolutely. So that's just it, right? So uh, any fund, any VC fund, whether you male, or female, blue, pink, green, doesn't matter. The biggest, the, the first step is the capital raising, right? So we need to get more capital. If we raise capital, that I, I am able then to invest in, in businesses. Um, and, you know, when you capital raise, you can capitalize from various sources, whether it's institutions, foundations, family offices, there's a whole spectrum. But when it comes to individuals, right now that space is still... Hem up. Yeah. So the 35 Club for me is an innovative way to get more women to be able to participate as an investor into a VC fund, right? So what does that mean? Um, typically funds raise uh, capital from limited partners from various different sources. And, you know, whether it's family offices, foundations, institutions, but when it comes to individuals, it's largely still men at the table. And this goes back to why a lot of gender lens investing funds, it's hard for them to raise capital because, again, the the same challenge that founders face in getting capital from VC funds VC funds face in getting capital from you know institutions and this is how the system perpetuates so I'm like this is not going to be solved in the long term unless we get more women familiar in the investor space more women wetting their feet in this space and more women just becoming more um, confident and to be honest it's just access the space has historically been very inaccessible for women for various reasons so 35 a club what that is it it's a community of investors. Um, it opens it up to women investors to participate in a VC fund. We're a $30 million fund, and yet you could enter at an at a investment size as low as $35,000. Usually, that barrier for individual investors for a fund our size would be around $200,000 upwards. We've lowered that amount so that women can come in at quite a low level, but more than the capital they bring. So this is what I call smart capital. Because yes, there's a monetary value for the capital, but these are women, the profile of the women are, you know, women who have access to, yes, of course, some capital, but networks and resources and partnerships that could be very, very beneficial to our portfolio companies. What we did also offer these investors, and like I said, especially those who are still getting familiar in the space, is co-investment opportunities. What that means is, you know, as 535 then starts making investments, there's there's a large process that goes with that, whether it's due diligence, the vetting, the sourcing, and you know, and essentially any of our LPs can then piggyback off that at no additional cost or no additional work essentially, and invest directly into any of our investments. Mm -hmm. It's also an opportunity for our female LPs to become um, advisory board members to our portfolio companies, and this opens up a space for women who are especially trying to, you know, starting to play on boards, who are starting to get experience playing on boards as they're heading to bigger NED roles and the like. And then, of course, you know, like I said, it's, it's entry level as, as low as $35,000 all the way, you know, 350k dollars upwards, um, U.S. dollars. And what that means is, you know, the younger, so I sort of categorize them into three, 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 three tiers. Kickstarters are entry-level investors who are new to the space, and this is a great, um, you know, almost baptism baptism into the space. The second level are champions. These are women who are probably maybe have a bit more of a finance background. They understand investing, understand the VC landscape too a bit, but maybe they haven't really invested before. And not everybody wants to become a fund manager or even an angel investor. So this is a nice, quick way for you to participate in the uh, VC fund and maybe a slightly bigger ticket size. And then the top tier is what I call our patrons. These are, you know, women who have made these the executives, the CEOs, the the, the founders, the entrepreneurs themselves who have exited and who are really also just looking to build legacy, Right. Um, I think as women, this is something we also don't talk enough about, because, you know, the world tells us, like, you know, don't be arrogant. Don't promote yourself. Don't do all of these things. And if you don't do it, who are you waiting (laughs) for to do it for you? right and but you know, if we want to do it with purpose you know associate yourself with a fund like ours we really do plan to be you know a trailblazer fund on the continent and that helps us for our legacy and you build your legacy and it's around you know women who are saying i'm quite literally putting my money where my mouth is i'm investing in the top female tech startups in africa and you know this is this is my narrative this is my story and this is why it's important to me um so at every level across the board, yes, it is very directly an LP into our fund, but it's more, you know, there's just so many opportunities. And I think that sense of community for the women investors, hopefully then, you know, this, they will either go off and start their own funds. They have first um, a priority. Um, let me, Let me be clear. 535, this is only five fund one. There's fund two and fund three to come. And you know, those who, who believe in the dream early will be those who you know really come along with us as we grow.
0: So for women who've never thought about being investors and let's say they want to come in at the Kickstarter level and they're mm-hmm. like, well, I don't really even know what's required of me, what to do. What's your response to that?
1: Well, then let us show you how, right? So there's very little that you need to do. So of course, base criteria is that you need to have the capital, right? And let's assume that you do have the capital. So that's $35,000 upwards. Um, There are slightly different regulatory rules that apply to U.S. investors um, around accredited and non-accredited investors, Um, but our team is fully equipped to walk you through that. Um, But honestly, there's other than Having the capital going through a KYC, a know your client process that just, you know, verifies and vets, um our, our vets the investors, it's really an onboarding process that it's 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 literally that easy. You sign up to the fund, you sign a subscription agreement, and then we handhold hold you through the rest of it. Um it's not compulsory, but for those um who are new to the space, we have various different sources of you know, workshops, masterclasses, you know, like. Investing 101 on one, basically, um, and that's that's the power of becoming an investor in five thirty five. The second thing is also around exposure, like to our portfolio companies. A lot of women who want to touch points to actual female founders on the ground. We also we don't expect you to to figure that out yourself. So again, if you are going to be you know candidate for an advisory board position, we'll ensure that you're equipped to do so um, through various different means. Um, So it's really that simple. If anybody is interested, drop me an email. And, you know, it's really an onboarding process.
0: Capital, administration, action. No, I love it. And your investors can be anywhere in the world? Yes, absolutely. Uh,
1: So the 35er Club is, of course, specifically for women. Um, It's global women. But, of course, those who have a passion for the continent um, and more than select the gender is a no-brainer. But also for global investors who are just are new to the African continent and want to learn more about the landscape, this is also a great opportunity to do so. Um, if, you know, we are of course also open to male investors, but then they go through the traditional um, the traditional LP route, and their entry ticket sizes will be from about 100 k upwards. And I think that, that again shows it why it's so attractive for women, right? So it's almost three times the amount um, and because that, that's more traditional but i really want to really democratize the space for women investors right now
0: i love that because i've been hearing a lot and there's a lot more being done about democratizing the space the investment space in general but also particularly for women to make it more accessible because sometimes like you said with imposter syndrome and all these things that we believe about ourselves and what we what spaces we can occupy and what available to us and what we can do and can't do. And being an investor is one of them. And I think it's something that a lot of women think is out of reach. And I just love the fact that um, clubs like yours and this fund is creating opportunities for more women to be able to become investors. It's a great opportunity for more women to be able to participate as capital allocators because more women being in, in the game can help the women who are in the game as entrepreneurs to be able to connect with the capital that they need. Because if they weren't connecting when women weren't, more women weren't in the game, the idea is that put more women in the game and they can support the women who are already in the game as founders looking for opportunities to connect with capital to advance and scale their great innovative ideas. Yes. And I I think you've
1: absolutely nailed it. That is really the mission that we're on. And something, you know, I must say as well, there's no mistake that 535 Ventures is a highly commercial fund. You know, I don't believe that high returns and impact are mutually exclusive. And oftentimes we talk about the space because we're having so much impact, people automatically assume that, you know, that's with an impact fund or we're playing smaller or, and I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking the space at all, but let's not be afraid to also celebrate the returns, right? When people invest, it's because they want to return. And I genuinely don't believe the two, um, you know, it's one or the other. Um, by virtue of the ecosystem I built my last two decades, impact is stable stakes. That's going to happen anyway. But I really do believe that, you know, if we put the right capital with the right support to the right founders, they just got to shoot for the
0: stars. So I know you're going on a road show. Um, tell me a little bit about that. So um, first in Germany,
1: spending some time in Hamburg and Berlin, um, and you know, just like I said, socializing the fans, speaking to. So if you're an investor who's looking to, you know, invest into a fund like ours. If you are a subject matter expert who you think you contribute as an advisor to the fund, or if you're just simply interested in the African um, ecosystem, the tech ecosystem in particular with a with a female focused lens, I'd love to meet you, I'd love to speak to you um, and really just, you know, get as get into as many rooms as possible and talk about the fund. So from, from Germany, I'm then going to the UK. I'm spending some time in Oxford and then in London. Um, for, and then uh, that takes me to a, probably around mid-October. And then after that, we'll be in Dubai to be spending some time. we will be attending the GTEx Investor Forum. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. And they're doing a lot of meetings around uh, there as well. Um, And then from Dubai, um, again, COVID permitting and restrictions and all of those wonderful things in this new world we live in, I will be in New York in the early part of November. Um, From New York, we'll spend about two weeks there, probably DC as well. Email address, how do they get in touch? Sure. So the website is 535.ventures. And you'll find all the information that I spoke about um, here on the website. Um, you can also very easily connect with me on LinkedIn. I am pretty much very responsible over there. But my email is HEMA H E-M A at 535.ventures. Um, I am very happy to make myself super accessible. So You know, never say no to a coffee, a virtual coffee too, as well. Um, So I'd love to be speaking to you and, you know, really excited about talking about the fun and onboarding as many of the, I know your audience is made up of some fantastic women from around the world and it excites me very much that they could potentially be part of my community
0: too. I love it. A community of women helping women um, to solve the problems, global problems, right? Not just problems that affect women. And that's the thing when women are undercapitalized and overlooked is that it diminishes our opportunities to be able to be fully be a part of the solutions to some of the global problems that we have, especially in the tech space where this fund particularly focuses. So what types of um, investments are you looking? I know you're in the tech space, but what's your funding Mm -hmm. thesis and what are some of the things that you're really looking forward to supporting?
1: Sure. So, you know, very formally, the investment mandate for 535 is we are a pan-African seed stage, female-focused fund for tech-enabled businesses. So from a tech perspective, we're not sector-specific, but we do see the usual suspects come through around fintech, health tech, agri-tech, tech. Um, but as long as it's a tech-enabled solution, um, you know, we're really quite niche around the female focus, tech bit and, of course, African so from a from a sector specific, we've tried to keep it a little bit broader, um, and that and seed stage meaning that uh, we'll do seed investments up to five hundred thousand um, dollars. The businesses do need to be um, we largely look for businesses that have graduated from our global accelerator, um, incubator accelerator, and that are starting to show their first signs of revenue and MRR around probably ten k per month U.S. dollars. Um, but yeah, so you know, if if that so you are earlier stage than that, they still do get in touch because than 535, like I said, we have a bigger ecosystem of support for female founders. But the mandate for the fund is quite squarely positioned into that space.
0: I love it, Hema. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode, and thanks to the listeners for joining us. We would like to. Um, if you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor of the podcast, reach out to me at where is the funding at gmail.com. Where to find us? We're on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And you can uh, subscribe, stream, download, rate review, all of those good things so that we can get in the ears of additional listeners. And if you are a woman, who is interested in becoming an investor, please, please, please make sure that you reach out to Hema and you get or you visit their website and get all the information you need to figure out how you can get in the game as an investor and put your money where your mouth is if you care about supporting women as founders um, in this entrepreneurship ecosystem. Thank you so much, Hema.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle.